This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good Thursday morning to you. It's time for MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. On this morning's show, we'll speak with Mike Frazier from JUCO Weekly about the 2017 JUCO college football season here in the state of Mississippi. Starts tonight. We'll speak with Bubba Powell about water skiing in Mississippi. Big events coming up. And seven-time world champion and Olympic gold medalist Brittany Reese hails from Mississippi. We'll speak to her about her career and recent world championship. It's all coming up on MPB's Season Pass after the news from MPB Think Radio. So this morning, uh, loaded up show for you. Uh, we have the uh, tournament director for the uh, Cedar Ridge Lakes water skiing competition. That's Bubba Powell. We'll speak with him later on in the show. And Olympic gold and silver medalist and world champion uh, long jumper Brittany Reese will be on the program. She won the gold medal in London at the track and field world championships recently. Liz Gill, our producer and co-host, had a chance to uh, catch up with her. We'll start the show this morning with Mike Frazier, friend of the program from JUCO Weekly. Mike, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you? Jay, good morning. Always good to be on your program. Absolutely. Well, this is that one day of the year where everybody wakes up and, I don't know, maybe the air is a little crisper. Uh, they got a little bit more of a spring in their step because there's only one day out of each calendar year that's the beginning of football season, and that's today. And, you know, it can't come quick enough, right? I mean, <laughs> you, might want, you might not want to say that to the players in October after their bodies take a beating for, right. for nine strange weeks here in the toughest league in America. But, hey, for guys like you and I, can we start this party over again in December? Right. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with the league in general, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the MACJC, a little bit about how it's structured and, uh, you know, how they come up with a champion and and where Mississippi's champion uh, year after year usually winds up in the rankings. Absolutely. Fifteen Mississippi community and junior colleges are in the system. Fourteen of the 15 plays football divided up in two divisions, a North Division and a South Division that houses seven teams per division. So you've got uh, uh, this year, once again, the league is is uh, highly respected nationally. Uh, five of the 14 teams, that's over 40% of the league that is ranked wow. nationally. Uh, number two, East Mississippi Community College. They play their football out of scuba, out of uh, that campus. Then you have Northwest Mississippi up there in Senatobia that is ranked sixth nationally. Northeast Mississippi ranked ninth nationally. They're based at Boonville up there in the northeastern part of the state, tickling the uh, Tennessee state line. And then Holmes Community College, just north of Jackson and Goodman. 
run by Jeff Coons' squad up there. And then number 18, Colin Community College, and they play their football on the Western campus. So those are your, your nationally ranked teams. Uh, traditionally, Jay, uh, you've got five to six teams that are preseason ranked, and this is like the SEC. So these teams will beat up on each other. Uh, there are very few, if any, layups in the league. Right. Every game is a grind. So uh, we'll end up with that being said, when the regular season concludes at the end of October, we'll still have anywhere from four to as many as six teams ranked in the top 20 when it's all said and done. And that really is a benchmark to tell you how respected and how good the talent is. You lose a game in the Mississippi Community and Junior College system, you don't fall too far because of the weight of your opponents. Right, and before we get into any kind of specifics about what team may do what this year, I know just recently uh, Hines Community College head coach Gene Murphy announced his retirement. And, uh, I mean, this guy, just to go to prove to you the, the, the coaching that you have in the league, this all-time wins leader, uh, correct, in, in JUCO history, and he, he calls it a career after a long, uh, a long run of, of very high level of success at Hines and Raymond. No doubt about it. He is the winningest active coach uh, in the NJCAA and has been for multiple years. Gene Murphy really is, uh, when it comes to coaching in this league, he's the staple. He's the benchmark. Well-respected, all the coaches' meetings, whatever Gene Murphy says or the input he gives, the other coaches take note and usually fall in line when it comes to rule changes, when it comes to just the overall health and the overall benefit of the league. But more importantly than that, Jay, Gene Murphy directly impacted young men for generations. He's been coaching since the mid-1980s, and that's two cycles of of generationals of of kids coming through the system. And whether they went on to have illustrious NFL careers or after their collegiate play concluded, they went into the workforce and dove into corporate America. Gene Murphy was instrumental in their success, and that is really the message. He is not only a Hall of Famer as a coach, the man is a prince of a human being. He will, his integrity, his, uh, his passion, his character, guys, he was the real deal. He is the real deal. Now, he had to retire due to health reasons, non-life-threatening, thankfully. He'll remain as athletic director on the Raymond campus at Heinz Community College. But what that man has done for community college uh, student-athletes and for the system in Mississippi is profound. Uh, that is a, a true winner in life and, and just a guy that will be deeply, deeply missed coaching on the sidelines here in the Mississippi Community and Junior College League. The coaches in this league are, are, are really, it's a lot of fun because there are a lot of characters and the, the backgrounds that a lot of the different guys come from. I mean, just to mention a contrast, you have Buddy Stevens who runs this, it's like it's basketball and turf, basically, this wide open, super duper fast pace, no stopping, um, high octane style of offense. And and then a fast-paced offense, too, but in a different way. Like Jeff Coons uh, at Holmes, 
they come at you with this old school, and they had the offensive coordinator that was at uh, uh, so successful at Georgia Southern for a long, long time. They come at you with this triple option, which is just it's it's not a whole lot of passing. They do some, but they they come at we at you with a barrage of running backs, and uh, it's it's a totally different thing to prepare for. So. Maybe even more so a lot of times than than major college football, you've got to be prepared as a coach to prepare for anything from one week to the next. No doubt about it. You mentioned Jeff Coons coming off an incredible season last year, seven and three, took his team to the Graphic Edge Bowl up there in the state of Iowa, victorious in that game twenty eight twenty one. And Jake, he has while in this system, you know, it's a two year league, so every year you're turning over guys that move on to the next level due to graduation. But offensive returners, Josh Dodd, the quarterback who played at Kosciuszko, Sanchez Berry, a running back out of Bassfield, Rashad Pittman, another running back out of Mize. Those three guys right there, they're going to be running left, right, and right down Broadway in that uh, in that offense that, that Coach Coons and his staff run. Uh, this league, as I just mentioned, it's predominantly Mississippi kids. I mean, think about this, Jay. In the Mississippi Community and Junior College system, it's a 55-man roster. Our presidents only allow eight out-of-staters. The true community college experience with local talent. In this case, for football, 47 guys on a 55-man roster are Mississippi residents, are Mississippi-born kids, are Mississippi student-athletes. And they go on and their preseason rank in the nation, they play for national championships, and they go on to have terrific collegiate careers. Whether they go on to an Alabama or an LSU, or maybe they run over to Mississippi College or Delta State or West Alabama, this system provides these student-athletes the opportunity to get an education and prepare, prepare themselves to work 40, 45 years uh, in the corporate uh, or educational world. Mike, I want to ask you about Kahoma. Uh, you know, I think they, they won a bunch of fans last year with their story. A lot of people saw that. And, uh, you know, breaking the long streak at the end of the season uh, and doing so in, in such grand style as they did. And, and you can tell with the coaching staff that they have a place there and the attitude that those guys have that, uh, I mean, it's, it's an uphill climb. I mean, they got a mountain to climb, but, um, I mean, they're climbing it. I mean, all you got to do is, is, is keep taking those next steps, and they continue to do that at Cahoma. Boy, they sure do. Stephen Miller, head football coach there, uh, was recently hired uh, to, uh, to coach that football team. He has eight starters coming back, All-American defensive back Antonio Nelson. Uh, who led the league in the MACJC last year in interceptions. He was top four in the nation in that category. You got a linebacker out of Gulfport, Reed John Franklin, wide receivers, Jay Sean and Eric Moore out of Greenwood, Mississippi. And look at the theme there, Jay. We just talked about getting recruits from Gulfport down on the coast to up in the Delta in Greenwood. Uh, Stephen Miller, building it along. It's a journey. It's a lot of peaks and valleys as he is in the process of resurrecting the Coahoma Community College football program. Uh, Coahoma plays up there in Clarksdale, so uh, they're up there with uh, Mississippi Delta and others, but they're starting to get quality players across the state. The uh, out-of-staters, like a linebacker, you'll hear a lot of Cecil Cherry. 
He comes in from South Florida. A wide receiver, Clay, uh, I'm sorry, Chris Claybrooks, another good-looking wide receiver. He has plenty of speed, very agile player. A Troy University transfer, DeMond Kemp. He brings a wealth of experience on both sides of the ball. And their quarterback this year, they went out of state, brought in a kid out of Knoxville, Tennessee, Trey Mitchell. Uh, I'm going to start for Coahoma. So look for Coahoma. They open up tonight down at Summit against Tucker Peavy's squad in the Southwest Mississippi Community College Bears. That's going to be an exciting football game because Jay Southwest has a good-looking running back, Nakia Trotter. He's a North Pike High School kid. He will compete for the rushing title this year, assuming he stays healthy through nine weeks. Scott Phillips is the returning MACJC leading rusher out of Jones County Junior College. He rushed for nearly 1,100 yards last year in nine games, averaging just about 121 yards a clip last year. Those two guys, along with Kenzie Phillips out of Northeast Mississippi Community College, look for those three guys to have one heck of a battle uh, because they will be the breadwinners in the backfield. You know, other teams have a good running game, Jay, but they have three or four guys, or there may be a predominantly passing team. These three teams here, while they'll put the ball in the air, look for them to, to run it. And how about Greg Davis at Northeast up in Boonville? His football team, Northeast Mississippi Community College, preseason number nine, Jay, highest preseason ranking in the history of Northeast Mississippi Community College football. What a job Greg Davis has done as he uh, enters another season. They open up down at Pearl River in Poplarville tonight. They'll take on Ted Egger, who is the new head coach at Pearl River Community College. So a lot of marquee games, Jay, and uh, – this league just continues to boast talent. It continues to win football games, and the MACJC continues to be a benchmark when it comes to talent. It truly is the toughest league in America. Yeah, it's 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 funny. You mentioned it's like the it's like the SEC of junior college football. There are no teams that are ever really moving backward. Everybody is always improving. And, uh, you know, teams are, are leapfrogging each other all the time. There are no easy outs, as you mentioned. And uh, it's the you can think if you follow the league over the past, I mean, you don't have to go back and, you know, further than five or seven years, uh, you know, to find some really good moments uh, and big time success stories for basically every single team in the league uh, for the most part. Mike, let me ask you as we let you go here. Uh, Juco Weekly uh, has been uh, the premier source of uh, information about uh, MACJC sports. Boy, man, for the better part of a, uh, a decade almost now. Tell folks how they get involved or how they can uh, uh, find your website and your social media and what all you do with the website. Sure. First and foremost, download our new app. We have a new 2017 app. Uh, uh, we uh, switched web servers over the summer, so we do have a new app. You want to make sure you download that to receive scores, stats, news, game action, photos, videos. You can go to JucoWeekly.org tomorrow morning and look at all the game action photos from the seven games around the toughest league in America tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Juco Weekly. You can like our Facebook page and our Instagram page as well. Today's score stats and news, game action photos is what we're all about. And we also tout the impeccable reputation that the Mississippi Community and Junior College system has academically and economically 
as well as athletically. For a fraction of the cost, you can get a two-year degree out of one of our 15 Mississippi community colleges and be ahead of the traditional four-year student when you uh, transfer over. The community college system directly impacts people's lives. In fact, Jay, we just started a new uh, segment, Where Are They Now? You can log on to the TucoWeekly.org homepage and view. Uh, these are uh, non-student athletes that have come through the community and junior college system over the many years and have gone on to be a fireman, a police chief, a news reporter, an astronaut. The list is long and distinguished, and it all started at one of our Mississippi community and junior colleges. Jay, it truly is the crown jewel of the state. You will not find a better entity that directly impacts the state of Mississippi economically, academically, and athletically than our Mississippi community and junior college system. Mike, great stuff as always. Love talking to you. Looking forward to the season starting tonight. Hopefully everybody can stay dry and stay safe uh, with the weather that's swirling around. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Jay, always enjoy the time. Continued success to you and your family. And we look forward to visiting with you again. Absolutely, man. Mike Frazier, Juco Weekly, and uh, just downloaded that app uh, on my Android device. So there you go. iTunes Store, Google Play, free app. Uh, Search Juco Weekly. Great stuff from Mike Frazier there. All right. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the MPB Season Pass podcast. You go to mpbonline.org forward slash season pass. There's a purple button that says subscribe. If you click it, it'll get you started to having season pass at your fingertips whenever you like your mobile phone your tablet wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast we'd appreciate it if uh, you put us in that list when we come back from the break we'll speak with Bubba Powell tournament director for Cedar Ridge Lake they're hosting a slalom water skiing tournament this weekend later on in the show Brittany Reese Olympic gold and silver medalist world champion long jumper about 8,000 times over and one of Mississippi's own that's all coming up on MPB Season Pass on Think Radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB. I'm Liz Gill. Later in the show, I'll speak with Olympian and Mississippian Brittany Reese. But if you miss hearing all or part of our show, you can listen again on our website, mpbonline.org, or download our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're MPB's Season Pass. Everybody has their own set of memories growing up. I had a dad who loved the water, and we'd take the boat out in the summer on the weekends, and he'd try to teach me to water ski. And did you hear that I said try? Our next guest is Bubba Powell. He's tournament director for the Cedar Ridge Lake Ski Club. Welcome to the show, Bubba. Thank you. So how long have folks skied at Cedar Ridge Lake? This lake was created in the early 90s by Cecil Childs, Billy Reeves, and Tim Cost. 
Oh, okay. And was that, was it, uh, were they the property owners in the area? They bought this piece of property specifically to build this lake. They were members at a, another club down south of Jackson, and they branched out from that and started their own club up here, which was at that time a three-event slalom, uh, was slalom, tricks, and jump lake. Oh, wow. Okay, so this lake was specifically created for water skiing. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. So what is a water skiing tournament like? It's We send out, we uh, post uh, sanctions with the USA Water Ski Association that sanctions all the official tournaments for the United States. And we uh, sanction with them and we have to get someone to come in and certify our slalom course to be within specs. And then uh, we just pay for the event, and then we they post it, and people from all over the country and around the world come to this site to ski. Wow. So are the, the slalom buoys, are they kept up all the time for people to practice or only uh, during uh, events so it has to be sanctioned each time, or how does that work? The lake has it all the time because we uh, ski around here all probably seven, eight months out of the year. And the slalom buoys are always up. And we currently have two lakes. One is a shorter lake that has an eight-buoy course. And then we have a traditional lake that's a six-buoy course. Wow. So um, how long have you been doing uh, participating in, in, in water skiing competitions yourself? Well, I've been skiing water skiing uh, since I was about 15 years old and then in 1985 I think it's or maybe 84 was my first experience with solemn buoys and they were like an addiction so <laughs> I've, been, I've been skiing ever since on uh, uh, trying to chase the buoys oh okay and and now you're a, a tournament director what all does that entail it entails sanctioning the uh, tournament lining up all the judges and officials and getting uh, boats to come to pull because uh, we have to have promotional boats from the you know the approved boat manufacturers that are, are qualified to do it and we get all of that and we just uh, try to coordinate all the officials and then we have a tournament and have a big time. So does a skier, do they get to select uh, which boat pulls them, or do they they take turns? Some of our world record-capable skiers do uh, like to pick the boat. Normally, it's a manufacturer. We we have three rounds of slalom uh, competition per day. And on a normal weekend, that would be six rounds of slalom. And the people that come that are, they're considered open skiers, which they're the elite of the slalom ski world, they have manufacturers that sponsor them. And when they come to try to set a world record, they they do get to choose their boat. Oh, okay. So the the non-elite skiers, uh, can, can anybody just sign up for a, a tournament? Yes. Oh, okay. And, and how... How do you win a tournament? What's the point system? How does how does how how do you gauge your improvement? Well, the slalom course is six tournament. I mean, six turn balls. It has entrance gates on both ends, and the way it's scored is 
you go through the entrance gates, you have to go outside and turn all six buoys and exit out the exit gate. And that's considered six buoys. And what it is, it's a cumulative score from the time you start until the time you fail. And if you made six passes, that would be 36 buoys. And if I made seven passes and had 42 buoys, then I would have a higher buoy count than you. So what what causes somebody to fail? Every time you make six buoys, the boat either speeds up if you're not at your max speed or you shorten the line length. And the course is a specified distance from center line to the buoy. So as you progressively cut the rope, it progressively gets harder to turn the buoys, and, and it just separates the the men from the boys. <laughs> well, tell us about uh, uh, world record setting. I, uh, I didn't know that happened in Mississippi. Yes, we had uh, the women's world record, which she broke last year. Regina Jaquez from uh, Santa Rosa Beach, Florida was up here and she got three and a quarter buoys at 41 feet off the rope and that was a world record until she currently broke her record by another quarter buoy i think this spring or last fall i can't remember exactly when it was but she did up it and we've had uh this this year we've had four south central regional records set here at this lake and we've had two record tournaments so far this year and we got one more this weekend okay this weekend so uh are are spectators allowed absolutely we we would encourage people to come it's just so many people don't even know the lake exists out here but uh it's free you come out here and you can watch if you're interested in water skiing it's uh you can come out and see what's going on and center ridge lake is out from canton is that right it's Cedar Ridge. Oh, Cedar, okay. Yeah, and it's if you go out east of Canton, about eight miles, you take a right on Ratliff Ferry Road, go a mile, take a left on Robinson Road, go one mile, and it's two lakes on your left, and it's uh, that's where we at. Well, you mentioned, um, you know, the the lake that was uh, sp- it was specifically built for water skiing. So, uh, Mississippi has a pretty good climate for water skiing. Oh, yeah. We can ski here eight, nine months out of the year. And uh, we we have people that actually do that. I mean, uh, we have, we used to ski year-round, but we're not quite as tough as we were. <laughs> well, uh, our, our broadcast is heard uh, all over the state of Mississippi. Where are some other um, tournaments that, uh, that you know of uh, in the state of Mississippi where someone might want to go watch or be a part of well we have a it's a let's see i can't remember the name of the lake but it's just south of memphis there's a tournament site there and there's a tournament site in brandon but i don't think they're having tournaments anymore and i'm thinking that's that's it okay one of the few in the state that are still uh doing water ski tournaments what do you know? What's the 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 cause for the decline? It's just a sport that's uh, you know it's not you can't go to any body of water and do it. Our lake was specifically designed with uh, like ten to one slopes on the bank, so when the boat goes through, the water goes up to the bank and doesn't echo back. So it's always smooth water, and you got to have a certain kind of boat that can tow you, and you got to have access to a slalom course in order to practice, so you could. Uh, 
and it's not everybody can do it. It's not a real cheap sport. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, if someone wanted to take lessons uh, at the the Cedar Ridge, do you does anyone there offer lessons? We we encourage people, you know, to uh, you know, I do it all the time is teach people how to ski and all. But as mm-hmm. far as officially, you know, somebody come pay to take lessons out here, we don't really do that. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But like. In Zachary, Louisiana, there's a ski lake there that's uh, Bennett's that actually does that. They have ski school. Oh, okay. Okay. But, you know, I never say no to somebody if they show up and want to try the slalom course. Oh, that's fantastic. So is it uh, uh, the the drivers? Uh, what's uh, uh, Are there any particular things that make one driver better than another driver? Or how do you get certified as a driver? You do get certified as a driver, and it's uh, it's years and years of experience where you kind of feel your skier, and uh, it, it, you progress. You start through the years, and you get better and better at doing it, and it's uh, you kind of get where people like to ski behind certain drivers. So you get promoted in the ranks, and uh, then you start pulling the elite skiers, and, and it's really a lot of fun to pull somebody through a record or whatever our personal best for the year and it it's really a lot of fun and gratifying as a driver to do that well that sounds great now remind us again uh when is your competition this weekend it starts eight o'clock saturday morning and it'll go until we're completed on saturday and then we'll do the same thing sunday okay so um what's uh uh uh, how many how many competitors would do you think you'll have this weekend well we had a full slate, which is 34 skiers on the record lake and about 15 on our sea lake, or the Class C lake, which is a you know a little bit more of the fun side and not such a serious side of the lake. But uh, the hurricane has – we had like five or six guys coming down from Canada, and their flights were booked through Houston. Oh, no. They, they were having uh, difficulty getting here – and so they backed out. So we, we're down to like 25 skiers on the record lake now, about 10 on the uh, sea lake. Well, I hope you have good weather. Thank you so much for being on our show, Bubba, and good luck with the tournament this weekend. Well, thank you very much. Next on the show after the break, I'll speak with Mississippi's Brittany Reese, Olympic gold medalist and seven-time world champion in the long jump. Please stay tuned to MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to MPB Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill, and I have the pleasure of speaking with a Gulfport High School alumna, Olympic gold medalist, and seven-time world champion, and the indoor American world record in the long jump, Brittany Reese. Welcome to the show, Brittany. 
Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I was just overjoyed when you won another World Championship gold medal in London at the recent World Track and Field Championships. How has your excitement changed from when you won your first World Championship gold medal in 2009? This one is a little bit more sweeter because uh, I don't know if everybody knows that the recent passing of my grandfather, uh, he was like one of my, my biggest fans. And uh, this is something that I wanted to go out and give him everything that I had left in me in honor of him to bring him home another gold medal. So I'm glad I got uh, the opportunity to go there and glad I was able to clinch another uh, world title for him. Yeah, I, we, you know, we've seen the photos of uh, uh, his name on the back of your bib that, uh, that you were running for him. So you grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and uh, went to Gulfport High School. So tell us about your getting into sports as a, as a young person. Yeah, uh, I was really into basketball, to be honest. Uh, I played basketball at Gulfport High. Um, the reason I got into track and field was um, in the seventh grade, you know, they have like the little permission slips. And I wanted to try out because most of my friends decided they were going to do it also. So like, I'm going to follow them. So uh, I went out there the first practice, and we did so much running. And I came back home, and I was like, I don't want to run no more. And uh, my mom and my grandfather basically made me go right back out there and continue to do it. So um, I stayed in it. And then at Gulfport High, um, I got into long jump was when Coach Jones, at the time he was the athletic director, looking for a long jumper. And for me, I was running the 400. I was doing the high jump and running all relays. So um, he didn't really necessarily want me to try the long jump because I was vital for the 400. So after I begged him a couple times to um, to try it out, he finally let me go, and um, I jumped around 16 feet, and he couldn't believe it and told me to go back and do it again. And I went back and did it again. And so that's, I always say that I always won the long jump. I didn't necessarily get into it. I <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 interesting all of the different factors that helps an athlete, which you obviously are, helps them choose the sport that they excel in. Whether it's you know they needed a person for this thing and it turned out that you were good at it, or right. someone chose you, or you chose it, or you know the the, the luck, the fate uh, to go along with the athleticism. Right. So tell us about your time at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Oh, I, I loved it out there. Um, I played basketball. I went to. I took a basketball scholarship instead of going uh, straight to Ole Miss. Um, I took a basketball scholarship and did two years there. Um, absolutely loved the school. Absolutely loved the people. Um, one of my best time in colleges was at Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, still friends with a lot of the people that... Um, that I was on the team with, still communicate with a lot of the kids. Uh, but, you know, it's a great school. And uh, it, I, honestly, it's a school that caused me to grow up. Um, in high school, I was the kid that played a lot. I wasn't really paying attention, you know, with school because I was on the basketball team, so I really didn't care. And I really wasn't thinking about college at the time. Um, but I'm glad I um, had the opportunity to, to grow at Mississippi Gulf Coast community college, so I'm real thankful for what they've done and uh, honestly set the path for me to where I am today. 
So then what, uh, how did you transition from MG CCC to Ole Miss? Uh, it was tough, you know. Um, obviously, at the four-year college, and it, it was basically like me starting all over again. Um, I was closer to Gulfport being at, at, at Mississippi Gulf Coast, and it was easy for me to go home and not feel like I was homesick because I was really 25 minutes away. Um, once I got to Ole Miss, things changed. I was on my own. Um, and being at Gulf Coast, you know, it was a little bit easier. But when I got to Ole Miss, things got tough. But um, I love the people and the coaching staff, and, and I could say they honestly took care of me and made me also the person I am today. Do you ever wish you were had been a better basketball player so that uh, that could have been your trajectory? <laughs> I always do, but, um, you know, I had to go the way I had to go. And, you know, my mom is the real reason why I ended up at Ole Miss. Um, She told me that um, if I wanted to make myself go go with track and field, if I wanted to rely on other people to stick with basketball, um, at that time I've been let down a a lot of times. And, you know, it was time for me to focus more on myself. So that's the reason why I ended up going to Ole Miss and being under such a great coach and things like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, my daughter is at Ole Miss right now, and she transferred there. Uh, when I was in college, I transferred between colleges, and it is that first one that you start off. That's where you know you 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 meet your lifelong friends, and yeah. and moving somewhere else, it's always good, but it's a little bittersweet. Yeah, it's bittersweet, exactly. So, uh, and you're now an assistant coach at uh, San Diego Mesa College's track and field in San Diego. Uh, see, we, Brittany, we just we just have so much in common. My son is in San Diego too. So, do you feel like you're an, a competitor who coaches, or are you a coach who competes? Uh, I'm a coach that competes. You know, I the reason why I got into coaching um, is something that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. And um, being that I'm out here, I felt like it was time for me to give back my knowledge um, to the youth, um, either if it was going to be high school or community college. Luckily, in the being community college, um, the community, the head coach called my coach and was looking for a coach. So uh, I was like, well, maybe this is a sign that I need to, you know, go ahead and get started and get get it under my belt. And it, it was great, you know. I love those kids to death. They're just they're just like my own. They still contact me all the time, and uh, it's good. You know, I have a, I have a great time with them, and I'm glad I made that opportunity, made that step. And I guess with coaching, uh, you know, with conditioning, uh, it's a and and having a, a season that's such a, a longer, I would think, a longer time frame. Uh, with uh, how many? About how many uh, competitions do you compete in in a calendar year? Uh, if I'm doing indoor, I can say around roughly ten. Oh, okay. 10, yeah, about ten. I don't really do that much. Um, only because I'm a little bit older. Uh, I try to do. I usually start maybe around late April and do one every two weeks every yeah every other week um leading up it, july june and july be um where i start getting a little bit biz- busy um because i'm prepared for usa's and then after that i'm prepared for world championships so 
or Olympics or whatever's coming up next. So that's when my time gets uh, a little rough. But being a coach at the community college, they start around January and we're done in May. Right. So I have a little bit more time um, in between, you know, to get myself focused. I practice in the morning and they practice in the afternoon. Oh, okay. It kind of, you know, I'm gone all day, but uh, I still get that opportunity because, you know, San Diego traffic coming back from there. They end practice around 5. So I'm stuck in traffic like 45 minutes. <laughs> well, that, that, that can be your you time. So during the, the recent World Track and Field Championships in London, uh, for me, it was like almost watching the Olympics again at my house. But you're better able to focus since it, you know, it's not the three-ring circus of the Olympics. Yeah. We could just focus on the, the track and field. How do you compare doing a world championship competition to uh, an Olympics competition? Well, what you just said, basically just focusing on the track and field part. When you're at the Olympics, they want you there maybe like a week or a week and a half early, and you're just sitting there. So what a lot of athletes do is go um, see other events and, you know, just go around, go on to different places and, and enjoying the sights and things like that. But when you're at a world championship, you don't have to really necessarily be there so early. Um, you can focus on your, your event and yourself. Um, you're allowed to go to other, go to the track meet to watch, you know, your other competitors. But for me, it, I don't like to be there as long because I like to be, I'm an in and out situation type person. People laugh at me all the time because I jump and I'm gone the next day because I don't have no reason to be there. I, I, my job is done. And um, so we just, it's just a lot easier to focus because when the Olympics is the highest standard for track and field, uh, for like most sports, and for us, it's real important to get that Olympic medal. And it's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. For a world championship, it's not as much pressure and not as much stress um, going in and coming out. So it's a little bit more relaxed, I can say. So when you travel to competitions, um, do you have family that comes and takes care of you? Do you have an entourage or do you, is it just uh, you and your shoes? <laughs> I have, uh, when I go, I have... It, the Olympics, my family comes mainly into the Olympics. They don't. They don't really necessarily come to the World Championships. But when I'm I'm there under Team USA, um, my coach is there, my agent is there, uh, my life coach is there. Uh, so I have uh, a bunch of people that's with me um, throughout the whole. And my physio uh, person is there also. So um, I have maybe like three to five people around me. Uh, at all times. Well, I would think it would certainly help you do your job better if other people help take care of you. Yeah, that's exactly. And they keep the stress off of me. If anything, any kind of problem comes around, I won't have to worry about that because they can take care of it. I'm so glad you have people. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. (laughs) So, Brittany, what are you preparing for next? Um, right now I'm getting ready to leave on Saturday for the last Diamond League. We have a, one more meet left, and then I'm done with my season. Um, next year we have indoor, so I'll be starting back up in October, um, lifting weights and things like that to prepare myself for uh, indoor world championships in March. So from your Twitter feed, I can tell, see, we are so alike. We both like blueberry pancakes from IHOP. So uh, food is a common tweet from you. So uh, how does a world-class athlete, how do you fuel yourself around race time? Uh, Around race time, I'm I'm one of those athletes that don't eat much. 
uh, I don't like to compete on a, a full stomach. So it just kind of really depends on what time I'm jumping. So most likely I'm jumping around uh, 6 to 7 o'clock. So the last time I will eat a full meal will be around like 12 o'clock. Um, I'll usually have like some pasta or some chicken and rice or something like that. And throughout the day, um, it'll be fruits like uh, an orange or a banana or uh, a protein bar or something like that in that caliber um, to where it's not necessarily filling me up. All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us on MPB's Season Pass. Please know that everybody in Mississippi is always rooting for you. Thank you so much. We're going to take our last break of the hour now, but when we come back, we'll have what's going on in Mississippi this weekend. Thanks for listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Great conversation with Brittany Reese there, Liz Gill, producer of the show. That was a lot of fun. She's awesome. I couldn't believe that I got to speak with her. Uh, The Olympics, I've watched every Olympics there ever has been on television in my life, (laughs) and I've tried to watch all channels at once, and to see the athleticism of the individuals who compete is just phenomenal to me because I can't do anything. Right. And, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, the for for such a small state with a smaller population, um, you know, how we produce football players like we do, like Jerry Rice and, and Walter Payton, Brett Favre, Steve McNair, guys like that. Same thing with the Olympics, except we're not just talking about an American sport. We're talking about worldwide sports and, and to know, have track gold and field, medalists like, yeah, you know, right. like, like Brittany Reese and, uh, you know, Tori, Tori Bowie. That's an amazing thing uh, to see where they come from in Mississippi and you know how how well they compete against the world. Well, track and field, I feel is is such a fantastic sport because it can take so many competitors. You can participate in it, and uh, it each tweaks its own little athleticism. Absolutely. So, Liz, we have uh, college football this week. I'm ready. Uh, you're from Arkansas, correct? I, well, my my daddy just almost uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, he played for the Razorbacks. I grew up in Arkansas, <laughs> but then I went to the University of Texas. That is, oh no, that's the word. No, I'm just joking. That's very well, interesting. In Arkansas, everyone hates Texas. In Texas, nobody gave a hoot, even during the Southwest Conference. Right. Very interesting. So, a lot of games coming up this week. I encourage you, if you live in the Jackson area and you're not going to get away to state or old Miss games, go to see Millsaps and Bellhaven play. Um, they're playing tonight, uh, actually, 7 p.m., and that is an incredible rivalry, I will tell you that. Not necessarily because it has a long history. Bellhaven went a long time without playing football, but because the proximity of those two schools, how close they are together uh, within uh, the general you know, kind of outskirts of downtown uh, Jackson. Those schools are, are I mean, they're, they're about a 
five iron apart from each other, literally. And uh, when when they play, I mean, you get a bunch. There's not not a whole lot of parking because you don't have to. You get a bunch of people walking, basically, uh, and tailgating, and it's it's a lot of fun. And it's a it's, it is a pure, uh, awesome uh, geographic rivalry, geographical rivalry. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, Mississippi College also plays tonight. They're at Clark Atlanta. That's a 6 p.m. start for that one. And, of course, as we mentioned, um, uh, a lot of fun with the Mississippi JUCO season uh, starting tonight. So our thanks to Mike Frazier for coming on and talking to us about uh, JUCO Weekly. Download that app, if you will, free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. Just search JUCO Weekly. And uh, also our thanks to Bubba Powell, with Cedar Ridge Lake, and of course, world champion, gold and silver Olympic medalist, Brittany Reese, for being on the program. It's going to be it for us. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next on Think Radio. 